Welcome to Through the Trauma Podcast. My name is Amber Larkins, published photographer, storytelling expert, visual artist, entrepreneur, speaker, and coach. This podcast was born from one question. How do I get inspiring stories of triumph out to the people who need to hear them the most? Come with me, enter my world where lives are getting changed, heroes are getting developed, and greatness is being achieved. Today we have with us Sarah Mackey. I am so happy to have her. She has an amazing story that she's going to share with us today about her postpartum journey. And Sarah is an amazing inspiration to so many because she is a leader inside of her church and um, runs her own ministry, does a lot of leadership stuff there in her church, as well as um, working with moms and and women and um, also works in the special ed department. She does it all, wears all the hats um, in her, in the public school system. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so happy to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> um, so you are a mom of two? Yes, a four-year-old and a seven-month-old. Yeah, are they both girls? No, I have my four-year-old's a boy, and my and then I have a little girl. Okay, tell us a little bit about your journey, about what you, um, what you've experienced through your postpartum journey. So my postpartum began after I had my son four years ago. Um, that I I felt like I was doing okay the first couple of weeks um, of being a new mom and learning all the things, you know, to, to be a mom. And I, when I got home from the hospital, I had a lot of physical pain that I was dealing with, which I do believe truly contributed to a lot of my postpartum. Um, just because I wasn't able to care for my son the way that I felt a new mom should. And I couldn't breastfeed. I couldn't, um, physically get out of the bed most days because I was in so much pain. There were days when my like lower extremities would be completely numb and I would feel paralyzed and no doctor could tell me what was going on. Um, so I felt like that really contributed to a lot of the beginning stages of my postpartum. And at the time I didn't know that that's really what was going on with me. And I just kept telling myself, push through it, push through it. And then some things happened in my marriage between me and my husband um, that kind of just pushed me over the edge, I feel like. Um, And not to place blame on him or me. It was definitely both of us. We weren't good at communicating. We were both trying to figure out how to be new parents. And so that was a really difficult time in our marriage. And we almost um, divorced because of it because we just couldn't figure it out. Um, but that definitely was a big contributor as well. And then, um, just going to the doctor and asking them, like, can you, can you help me like figure out what's going on in my body? Why I feel this way, why I can't physically walk across my house. Um, I, you know, and there was one Sunday specifically that I don't think I'll ever forget. Um, my husband had got up, he had was getting ready for church 
And at this time, he wasn't pastoring. We, he was the youth leader at our church because we hadn't been married, but maybe just a little over a year. Um, and he asked me, he came in the bedroom and he was like, why aren't you getting ready for church? And I said, I can't, like, I can't walk. I'm in so much pain. My legs are numb. I can't walk. And I said, I think I'm just going to stay here today. And through all this, I was crying. I was in pain. And he looked at me. And, of course, in the midst of all of this happening, this was during this very difficult time in our marriage. Um, and we were very young. He looked at me and he said, well, I think you, I think it's all in your head. You just need to get over it. And those words cut me so deep that I think in that moment I fell into some of the deepest depression that I had ever felt because I felt like absolutely no one cared what I was going through or what I was dealing with and no one believed me. And the one person that you're supposed to be able to depend on, which is your spouse, especially in a three weeks into your new journey as parents, um, looks at you and has absolutely no faith in you and doesn't, I guess, really care, or at least that it felt that way, that he didn't care at all what I was dealing with in that moment. And so from there on out, I told my son, it's me and you, no matter what, I will be here. I will be here for you forever. And it was almost like I had mentally just cut off the relationship between me and my husband. And that was really a really, really dark, difficult day for me. Um, but I kept pushing through, and I ended up going back to work um, six weeks later. But through all of this, my marriage was suffering. Me as a mom, I was, I was suffering terribly. And just kept putting it in the back of my mind and trying to push through every single day. And... About two months had gone by from the time that he said that to me. And I, there was a very physical difference in me physically, emotionally, mentally, all the things. I was losing weight. I wasn't eating. I wasn't taking care of myself. And you could tell. And he kept asking me, like, have you eaten today? Have you done this today? Have you, you know, and I would just be like, no, why would I? Because all of my focus was just on my son. My son became my whole life. Even though I think for some moms, postpartum might feel like they, they have a disconnect to their child. Because I've talked to moms who have felt that way in their depression, but for me, it was like, I have to be absolutely everything for my son, and because I felt like nobody else would do that, and in that, I wasn't taking care of myself, I had extreme anxiety about his survival, his well-being, and all of those things, I didn't realize, if I'm not here, I can't take care of my son, but I, that wasn't a priority for me. Taking care of myself wasn't a priority at that time. Even just eating, there was there was one week I remember that I think I might have eaten two to three meals that entire week because I was just physically um, 
I don't know if I would say I was ashamed of myself because I don't think I was, but along those lines, maybe. And so to physically, once I did get into therapy, my therapist kind of explained it to me. Like I was, that was my way of punishing myself was to just starve myself and to not take care of me at all. And it wasn't until about 10 months, he was about 10 months old, um, I had, you know, it was just day in and day out of doing the same thing, just not caring for me and just putting all my focus into him to make sure he was cared for because I didn't feel like my husband was going to do that or anybody else could do that. So 10 months had gone by and I was still doing this day in and day out and it was just getting worse and worse and I remember laying him down for a nap and he was a great sleeper from the get-go. He slept through the night at five weeks old and we never had any issues um, from there on out but this one specific day I laid him down for a nap and it was a really, really hard day for me. I was in a lot of pain. I had been to several doctors as well through this 10 months. I'd been to Nashville, Knoxville, all over Cookville. Um, nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. But I remember, you know, I laid him down for a nap. I, and I walked in the bathroom and I, was, I just sat down in the floor. And I started thinking about a plan of how I was going to kill myself because I had gotten to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. My husband doesn't care about me. I can't be the mom that I guess in my head I saw I needed to be. And I felt like I wasn't achieving that picture. So I sat down and I thought of a plan and we we are avid hunters, so we do have guns in the house, but they are all locked up in gun safes. Um, but I was like, no, I don't want to do it that way. I want to just take the pills, go to sleep, and never wake up. And I sat there, and I decided I was going to wait until it was almost time for my husband to get home before I would do it because... I was like, well, I can't leave my son here all day without somebody to care for him. I mean, and I know this is like really dark and morbid to talk about, but it's just the raw truth of what I dealt with. And um, <clears throat> I remember just sobbing and I looked up and I said, God, if I'm still meant to be here, and I'm not supposed to do this. You have to give me a sign. Because why else would I want to stay? Why why would I want to stay here and deal with this? What What is my purpose? Because I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good wife. I'm not this. I'm not that. And I was just tearing myself down in every way possible. And my son had probably been asleep for about 20 to 30 minutes and like I said he was a great sleeper he took his naps well he never woke up until like two hours would have gone by well he starts screaming as soon as I said Lord give me a sign and it was like something flipped in my head and like a switch went off in my head and I was just like he is why I have to stay here 
And I said, okay, God, I'll stay. But I'm going to need help because I can't do this anymore by myself. And I went and got him and I held him and I just rocked him and I cried. And I just, I apologized to my son and I said, I'm so sorry that I, that I almost wasn't here for you anymore. And I told him, I said, I promise I'll never leave you, no matter how hard it gets. And I uh, waited till my husband got home that day, and I looked him straight in the eyes, and I said, you know, I don't care if I have to do this as a single parent. I don't care if you, if you do choose to stay here with me and we make this work. I said, but I'm going to therapy because I can't do this by myself anymore. And this is a decision that I made because it, if, if I don't do this for myself, then I'm not going to be here tomorrow. Mm. And I reached out to um, readiness counseling in Nashville, and I, I've been with the same therapists for, I guess, three and a half years now, or some, some, something like that. Um, and... It was a really, really hard first year for me to walk through in therapy because I was embarrassed. I went through all of those emotions of feeling embarrassed and worthy, not good enough. And, like, why do I have to be in therapy? Like, I didn't – if you had told me at 16 that that would have been my life, you know, I wouldn't have wanted that life. But now I – I can openly talk about it and I'm like you know what if you need help go to therapy because it can work wonders for you because I would not be here today had it not been for the amazing therapist that I had through that whole time. There is such a there's such a stigma around getting therapy and I hate that and I and that's one of the things here like I want people to understand we I think everyone needs therapy we've all been through things and everybody's life experience looks different, but there's not, there shouldn't be a stigma around that. And, you know, I do, I think that there's a, there's, we're made to feel like we need to be invincible, but we're human and we're not invincible. And we need sometimes someone to come alongside of us and show us the way, especially when we're going through things we've never been through before. We've never experienced that before. So how how do you know how to navigate that? And uh, I just wish that therapy wasn't such a such a bad stigma to it because it's really an amazing thing that helps people tremendously. Um, there is so many questions that I have for you uh, as far as just your journey. Um. <laughs> And there's so much, there's so much there um, because postpartum is one of these things that people, again, don't talk about. I experienced postpartum when I was, I didn't have it immediately after I had my kids. I experienced postpartum after I quit nursing my children and because uh, I nursed my first for six months and I nursed my second for a year. And especially with my second, it was, I thought, I'm not having any postpartum with her. It's great. And then uh, a year after I had her and I quit nursing and no one, I didn't know this was even a thing. No one told me this. 
no one talks about this. And until I started researching it and I'm like, oh, okay, so now I see that the hormones can, ha- you can have an influx of hormones, you know, after you're not nursing anymore. And it's mm-hmm. just, this is something a lot of people don't understand. I think a lot of women do have some level of postpartum. They don't talk about it a lot. So it's something that doesn't get enough attention. And then you have men who cannot, I don't, they just cannot understand what happens inside of a woman's body when you have children. <laughs> That's, yeah. There's, it goes through so many changes. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about, does your husband, do you feel like he has kind of gotten an understanding now? Did he, did he go to counseling with you? So he, um, let's see, I had my son in 2018, um, December 2018. So we went that entire year of 2019, like I was struggling with this and it wasn't until I guess 20, like January, 2020, um, that we really started to, I guess, rebuild our marriage. And by this time, we were at a new church. He was the youth pastor. They had hired him on as youth pastor. And our marriage was still struggling through this, but we weren't telling anybody because I think we were even more so embarrassed of that, that, that we were having such issues in our marriage. Um, and we were in the ministry, and I absolutely hate the stigma around that you know preachers pastors people in that hold ministry positions in churches aren't supposed to have issues like that right there is a whole other topic in and of itself that we've dealt with through this entire journey because it wasn't until January 2020 that we really started to work on our marriage and we were like we've got to get this under control otherwise we're not going to make it the rest of this year like that was it and so we did we started couples therapy together counseling and um it did help strengthen our marriage and we actually um this didn't happen until about a year and a half later we joined a a young married couple like group in our church and we were all about the same age um only been married under five years and it was a lot easier for us to talk about things in those groups in therapy too just to be able to get our marriage back on track and he does have a lot better understanding now of what I went through and how close I came to not being here anymore um but at the time, it was it was a long, hard road to to get to that point. But I'm thankful that I'm still here and that he's here and that we're still together and that we've weathered those storms together because it made us stronger as a couple. And we are able to help other people who face similar situations. Mm-hmm. There is this thing. I agree with you in churches and it's a pressure that when you hold a leadership position that you can't have problems, there's this pressure, but then mm-hmm. also like there's this thing with the congregation or the people, the people you're leading 
they want to know you're a real person and they want to know that you have mm -hmm. problems, you know, and it's a, it's a hard thing as any leader, I believe in any leadership type position, but, um, to kind of hold that balance, like how much do I share? How much do I not? And where do I go when I'm hurting? Because we're human and we're all going to hurt at some point or struggle at some point through something. So where do I go? Mm -hmm. What do I do with that? Um, I do think that, and you and I have taught, had conversation about this um, when we first, the very first conversation we had, which was what kind of brought us together yeah. is uh, <laughs> I'd made a post about churches and Sarah mm -hmm. reaches out to me and says, they're not all bad. And I'm like, oh no, I wasn't saying they were all bad, but um, I just, churches for the hurting and mm -hmm. it's for the broken. And I just feel like I, my heart breaks when I hear of churches that's not towards that because I feel like there is this social pressure that churches have to put this facade on. Like we're perfect, come to us, mm -hmm. we're pretty, we're packaged, nice. And in some, some people are attracted to that and other people are like, I'm not good enough to go there. So there's a balance. It takes, it's a balance of trying to figure out, but at the end of the day, it's, it's all about love, loving mm -hmm. people, right? And truly loving people through that. Tell us, talk to us a little bit about your experience with church. Did you end up sharing this with people there at church? I have shared my postpartum journey with several women who I feel like needed to hear it. And I know we had talked previously once and I told you, you know, it's not something I just go around advertising because I think that it is, you know, it's, it's my story. It's my journey. And though there are a lot of intricate parts of how I have gotten to where I am today and postpartum is a part of that. Um, I kind of reserve those things for the moments when I feel like God's leading me to share them. Um, because I don't want it to be like, oh, well, she's just doing this for attention. Because that's not what it is. I want women to feel like they have a safe place to talk about hard things. And in the church that we're at now, um, the people are so loving and so trusting and I've never really experienced that in a church where we were at um, just last year. We had been there for about two and a half years and, uh, and he was the youth pastor there. Um, it was very hard for me to trust anyone there. And I hate to say that, but they were just, the people were not so loving. They were, they had a tendency to be somewhat judgy and, so when I did share my story, I made sure that it was with women who who I knew needed to hear it and could actually benefit from it. Um, in the church that we're in now, I want to create a safe place for them to, men and women both, to feel like, you know, we can come as we are. This isn't you have to dress the best, you have to be the best, you know, we're not perfect, and I'll be the first one to tell you at the door, I'm not perfect, that's why I'm here, that's why I need Jesus, because he was the only one that was perfect, and 
I don't have any room to judge anyone for whatever they've done in their life. That's not my place. And I want, that's what I really try to um, explain to everybody, especially women, because I, it hurts me to know that there is such a stigma or stereotype around single women in churches who might be single moms or, you know, widows, divorced, whatever it might be, um, that they feel like they don't have a place because they do. And they should feel like they have a place, especially at church. Mm-hmm. So the one time that I um, had shared a really important part of my testimony, which I know we had talked about um, briefly on the, before that I was raped when I was young. And I'm just going to briefly touch on this. I did share that in a group setting at the church we were at last year. We were kind of on this team of, I guess it was about 10 people, um, of strong church members that we were kind of, I don't want to say the core, but we were the ones that were trying to do a lot of ministry opportunities in the church and create other small groups. And I, we were sharing our testimonies and I shared mine and that is part of my testimony. And everybody was like, well, we had no idea. And I'm like, well, because I don't feel like I have a safe place to share this. And that was really hard for me to share with you guys. And that goes along with my postpartum journey as well. I mean, being in a church, you should feel like you have that place. And you shouldn't feel like you're going to be judged or looked at differently because of what's happened in your past. Because at least you're at church now and you're with Jesus now and you're trying. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%. Um, and, and my heart, you know, you see a lot of problems. In any organization ran by humans is you're going to mm-hmm. see problems in it because we're human and we're mm-hmm. not perfect. Um, and I think sometimes when we see these problems, it's like, okay, well, what can I do to make a difference? And I, I, I truly believe like you're – you're living in your purpose. I truly believe you are because you, you're trying to provide a place for women to feel like they have a, a place there. And I mean, that's my heart behind this entire podcast. My entire transformation project is just, there is this thing of shame and fear and, you know, we hide behind it because we're worried of what people are going to say about us or think about us, especially when it's something that has damaged us, you know, like Mm -hmm. someone that's been raped, that's, that's hugely damaging. That's very traumatic. And then you're suffering through postpartum on top of that. And it's like, that's a, that's a really hard thing. Like you have a lot of mixed emotions and you're dealing with the emotional baggage of dealing of all of this. Plus then what do I share? What do I not share? How's people going to judge, feel about me? And then in the church, there's another layer to that. Oh, well, now I'm dealing with these women who have, they look perfect. 
on the outside. And so what are they going to say about me? And I dealt with this a lot in church. I have a dark past. And when I got saved, I never felt like I fit in. I would go to church and I never felt like I fit in there because I was around women that seemed, they seemed like they had it together. They were like the perfect moms, the perfect wives, the perfect everything. And I'm like, I don't really fit in here. Mm-hmm. And I still struggle with that. Now, how much of that is in my mind and how much of that is like reality? Because sometimes, you know, I'm just going to say it. Sometimes Satan will attack our minds to the point where he says, you know, look, you can't share with those women. They don't, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not going to accept you. And it's like when we hear these voices over and over, we replay this in our mind over and over and over again. We get to the place where we're like, I'm too scared. I'm too ashamed. I'm too ashamed to share this. Like, I can't ever share this with anybody. And that's not godly. Everyone should have a space and a place. And I know, like, I know your heart from talking to you. I know my heart. Like, I want to provide that place for people. Like, come here. You'll never be judged here. Like, I don't, I don't want you to ever feel like you're going to be judged or, or whatever, you know, um, yeah. because I want people to, to have that place. And uh, we, live, we live in a world where bad stuff happens and, and we're dealing with a lot of toxic things from toxic chemicals to toxic relationships to, you know, all Mm -hmm. these toxic things. And it's like, how do we overcome that? And I truly believe that it boils down to this thing of putting our arms around each other, loving each other and saying, you're not alone. And I think that you ask God what your purpose is. I think he's shown you your purpose is you're running this ministry. You're providing a place for women to come. You're loving on them. And I, I just, you're a remarkable person. And it takes a lot to pull yourself out of a place, a dark place like that. Can you talk a little bit about that journey? Like, um, you, you said that you went to counseling. Um, was that the sole thing that got you on the other side of this? I think... For the for me for the most part it it was because I didn't I wanted to do it I guess holistically naturally I didn't not that I frown on anyone who who needs medication to help them get through that because if that's what you need that's what you need but for me that wasn't the journey that I necessarily wanted to take yet I wanted to even if it took me three years to get through it then I was going to keep on going. And I mean, I still am with the same therapist today. I still see her. Um, not necessarily for postpartum now, but I still choose to go back just to, because I do struggle with anxiety. And there are some days that are way harder than others. And for me, just therapy and using the tools that she taught me, um, I use those daily. Um, and so that that was one of the biggest helps for me to get through that, um, to get through postpartum with my son. Now, I did deal with postpartum with my daughter as well. And I mean, if we get into that, we can definitely touch on that as well. It it definitely wasn't as long of a journey because I, I recognized it pretty quick. 
um, when it was happening. Um, but with therapy, um, I mean, just being a lot more open with my husband and us, you know, really trying in our marriage and fixing all the little things, not that our marriage was little, but the other little things I think that can trigger you to kind of fall back in those places, fixing all of that and really mindfully, um, every day focusing like this is what we're going to do today and we're not, we're not going to veer off and, you know, we're going to try. And if we fail today, we'll try again tomorrow because it's, it's trial and error. So I have, I had that. And then my, my best friend, she lives in Texas. Um, she was my college roommate. We've been friends for, I guess, about eight years now. Um, calling her, talking to her, having somebody to keep me accountable. Um, because I, she was one of the very few that I shared everything with. Um, she knows my whole story. And I thank God for her. Because if I didn't have her on my side, I really wouldn't have many people. <laughs> um, I don't anyway, but she is... She is one of my biggest cheerleaders, and I adore her. Um, and then I have a friend who I actually used to work for when I was in college. She lives in Nashville, and she's actually a therapist herself. Um, and she helps me a lot. She has become a very close friend of mine. And she, she also kept me accountable. She checked on me every day and just to make sure, like, hey, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm glad you're still here today, and I love mm -hmm. you. And if you need something... I'm here. And just having just two people or three people in your life, even one, that checks on you and says, I'm glad you're here today, can make all the difference. Mm -hmm. And for me, it did make all the difference. Yeah. Just happened. I mean, I've heard people say, and I, I can attest to this in my own personal experience, just smiling at someone mm -hmm. and saying, you know, just giving someone a helping hand or a, a nice gesture is it goes a long way because you never know what that person's going through. And when you look at people, you never know like what they've been through in their life. And it's why we, as humans, we really should strive every day to, to love people. And like you said, to be there for those that are hurting because we're all going to need it at some point in our life. Um, mm -hmm. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about like, you talked a little bit about your therapy um, and are your church is here in Cookville, Tennessee, right? So yes. um, do you guys do online services? Like if someone were to hear this and was looking for a support system, um, is that something they could access online through your church? Would you recommend them go to your to your therapist or is there other organizations or resources you would recommend to someone that might be in the middle of this right now? I would always recommend readiness counseling in Nashville. They do telehealth appointments, which is convenient because we live in Cookville. And I mean, obviously I can't drive weekly or whatever to Nashville um, for those appointments. So that's, 
convenient and you can kind of make it your own. Um, but as far as church goes, we we do online services um, on Sunday morning and Sunday night. Um, I have a women's group that meets Wednesday night. We have kind of like a small group that meets at church at 7. And we just, right now we're doing a book study. And we're almost finished with it. We're about to start a new one in a couple of weeks. We haven't decided on a book yet or what necessarily we're going to do. But we just, it's not, it's kind of like we make it our own. Um, It's not set like we have to follow what's in this book or, you know, it's not strict. I don't want it to be that way. I want it to be a conversation. I want it to be you know, if we don't necessarily get to the lesson that, that night, then we just don't. We talk about whatever's on our hearts for that day and that we need to discuss as women to lift each other up. So um, definitely if someone's looking for just somewhere that, you know, they need to vent or cry or, you know, a safe space, we definitely have that. Um, and I know plenty of therapists in this area specifically that um, can help with trauma, marriage, you postpartum, you name it, I can help you find it. <laughs> well, I will I will get you to put some of that um, in in a document and send it to me. That way we can put that in the show notes uh, for anybody looking. Does your church do any on uh, you said that you do online services. What about your women's group? Do you Are you guys online at all, or is it all in person? So as of this week and next week, it is in person. But we're actually going to start a Zoom meeting so that if there are women who don't necessarily feel comfortable in an in-person setting or they can't make it, maybe they live too far away, or they're just too busy at night to be able to make it, Um, we're actually going to start Zoom meetings so that you can still be a part of our conversation and you can still be a part of our room. But obviously the men are off doing their own thing in their own little world. (laughs) But um, that way, you know, because I want everyone to feel included, even if you can't be there, because I don't want it to just be, oh, well, you have to come to church you have to be in this room or whatever. Like I want it to feel tailored to whatever you need. And mm-hmm. then if one day you do feel comfortable coming, then come on, we welcome you. But you're just as welcome on a Zoom meeting as in person. Yeah, that's so awesome. That's one of the reasons why I chose to do this podcast through um, Zoom or um, through this program because doing it virtually versus doing it in person, I feel like limits a lot of access. Um, There's people all over that have trauma all over that are hurting. Um, And just being able to open that up, I feel like is it's helpful. Now I do believe there is something energetic that happens when you're in person. I think that should always be encouraged, but I also, you know, we live in a virtual time too. And, um, So I think it's good to be able to connect. And I think we do live in an age where we are blessed, where we can connect with people that have our exact types of trauma or have our exact types of experiences 
And building that connection is huge. I feel like helps so much. Um, so, you know, anybody that might be struggling through this, I mean, Sarah's Church might be a great, great addition uh, for you to check out and see, um, you know, and the thing with church, I do believe like, you know, while it is, it does surround obviously God and everything he's done for us, there's a level of just loving on people. Like, like you said earlier, like loving people where they are and that's, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, I want, I want to outstretch my arm to everybody and hope that through me, they can see God through me. They can see Christ, um, and be that, be that person for them, you know, regardless of what they've been through, what they've dealt with, um, and you know, what, what they are dealing with currently. Mm -hmm. So is there, um, Anything else that you would like to add as far as uh, this conversation goes or any any other thing you'd like to say? Well, I mean, I know I kind of briefly talked about just what I dealt with um, postpartum-wise with my daughter. Um, she was, I, if you're okay with that, I would yeah. kind of elaborate on that just a little bit. Sure. Um, I was, I kind of had a triple threat in my last pregnancy. Um, I had placenta previa, I had preeclampsia, I had cholestasis. Feel free to look those up if you don't know what those are. Um, I had this, what I like to call a triple threat. Um, so I knew that she was probably going to be born early, but we had no idea that she was going to be born seven weeks early. Um, and I should also add that my son was also born a month early. And as new parents, we were not prepared for that. So that also for sure contributed to my postpartum burning um, because we had no idea that I was going to be in labor at 35 weeks and that he was going to be born that same night. Um, but fast forward to August of 2022. Um I was, I guess, 33 weeks pregnant um, when she was born. Um, 33 weeks and two days. She, I was transported by ambulance to Erlanger from McMinnville, Tennessee, um, with preeclampsia. I was also contracting, but because I had blessed depravia, um, I could not give birth naturally. It had to be C-section, but because she was going to be a NICU baby, um, which we also didn't know at the time, that thought never actually entered my mind. I'm not really sure why. I was just very in the moment of what was going on. So I had no clue what was really in store for us as a family. Um, we got to Erlanger. They told me, your body's shutting down. You can't sustain her life. You can't sustain your own life. She comes now or you both die. That was a very real moment for me. I was terrified, um, to say the least. I didn't know if she would make it. As far as I knew, she didn't have any issues other than just being very small at the time. She was, like I said, seven weeks early. And she spent three weeks in the NICU. 
And through that three weeks, especially the first 24 to 48 hours, were the hardest days and weeks of my life. And I say that, and I, well, I know that most of you may think, well, what almost, you know, committing suicide wasn't hard. Oh, it was. It, that was a hard journey as well. But this journey with my daughter, not knowing whether or not my three pound, 11 ounce baby would live for three weeks was the most difficult time that I had dealt with. I had had two miscarriages in 2021. One was on Thanksgiving Day. One was on Christmas Day. And a week from Christmas Day, um, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. Um, and I didn't have time to process those miscarriages because they were back-to-back. And then I was pregnant again. And through my most of my pregnancy, I didn't feel a connection to her because I was so terrified of losing her and going through miscarriage again. And when she was born and they told me she would be in the NICU, I automatically assumed she's not going to make it. So those thoughts, feelings, you know, the only connection I had to her was pumping and giving her breast milk. I couldn't breastfeed her. They would only allow me to pump because she had to be on a feeding tube. Um, so postpartum set in very quickly. I was still actually in the hospital and I knew I was falling deeper and deeper into this depression. Um, and I also knew what tools I had in my mind to be able to help me through this. But I was, I felt like I was almost so far gone that I didn't even care anymore that I didn't really want to pull myself out of that. And I was kind of almost having this pity party for myself. And then I talked to my therapist. I had an emergency meeting with her um, because my husband, he saw what was happening and he said, you need to talk to your therapist. He said, I don't want to see you go through what you already went through before. He said, I can't lose you. And I had a C-section and there was this moment where he was helping me in the restroom after I was in recovery and I had never seen him in this light before and I'm not really sure like I know he's done very nice things for me and always you know we've been there for each other but in this moment it was like this light bulb went off in my head that was like wow he truly loves me because he was humbling himself so much to help me put on a diaper (laughs) you know because I just had a baby and helping me like with my you know take a shower and things like that and that was just one of the most humbling experiences for me as well but when he said the words to me I don't want to see you go through that again I want you to be here I I just broke down and I thought, wow, he actually, he, he cares. And this time it's going to be different. And it, it, it definitely has been. Um, I was able to get my postpartum under control, though I dealt with it for a few months. It 
was not as bad as the first time, which I was thankful for. But there were definitely hard days of anxiety and depression and not knowing, you know, is my daughter going to be okay? Are we going to get to bring her home before her due date, was, which was October 1st? And I remember just praying with every bit of my heart and saying, Lord, bring her home soon. Bring her home. And it was like the Lord spoke to me and he said, she will come home on September 3rd. And I looked at my husband and I said, she's coming home September 3rd. And he thought I was insane. The doctors let her come home September 3rd. And I laughed at him and I said, see, you just don't have enough faith. (laughs) And it was through that time that I just grew so close to the Lord. And I know a lot of people, you know, may think, well, you're a pastor's wife. You're supposed to be close to the Lord. Well, we struggle too. And (laughs) through that time, it was really hard to want to trust in the Lord and, you know, not question why is this happening to me, but I always try to tell myself, you know, even though this seems like the hardest thing I've gone through, I know that one day I'll see the other side of it and I'll have to believe that something good is going to come out of it. And now we kind of joke around saying that she's our million dollar baby because she cost us about that much in the hospital. (laughs) But um, I'm just thankful for the journey that is postpartum for me because it has brought me through the darkest times in my life but I'm so thankful that I'm here and that I and it may seem silly to say I'm thankful I experienced it but I am because I want to be the person for somebody else for another woman or a group of women that I never had because I didn't have this super large group of women lifting me up through all of this because no one really knew about it but I want to bring awareness to postpartum and what that is for each woman individually and how different it is when they go through it because everybody experiences it differently. I still struggle with anxiety today, like I said, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm willing to just give it all up. Like I'm here for I'm here for those women and I want to be here for those women and I'm just really thankful for this journey and thankful that you allowed me to be on your podcast today. And hopefully we can, you know, bridge the gap together yeah and help more and more help more and more people mm-hmm. i think there is a, i posted about this yesterday um because i think that there's this misconception that life is supposed to just be like fun and games and <laughs> you're always supposed to be happy but i really believe and i'm getting as i walk through my own journey and i go through different hardships and i see God in every situation. I'm like, life is not really about that. I think life is more about growth. It's about God transforming me to be the person that I need to be in this life, that I can 
serve a purpose, that I can live out his will. We, I'm nothing except a conduit for him. Like whatever he tells me to do, I have to do it and give him the glory for it. And I just think that when we look at things like that, we can be grateful for the hardships. We can be grateful for the things that we've experienced in life because those things is what has has helped us grow, has helped us live a purposeful life and helped us be able to reach out to those who are going through those things. Because I also look at my past and I think I've not, I want to provide that hand that I felt like I didn't have. I've talked about this on previous shows where, you know, when in my transformation through trauma project, my goal is to put out this book that has all the the compilation of stories. And I think my purpose behind this book is, you know, if people can, what I would love to do is get to a series of books to where, you know, we have a series of women that say have just gone through postpartum. Then if someone knows someone who is going through postpartum, they say, hey, here, look at, these are 20 stories of different women that have gone through postpartum, how they've overcome it, resources they've used to overcome it. And I think, man, if I'd have had something like that when it was directly related to my trauma, when I was going through that, it would have been huge. So... I commend you, Sarah. Um, I know it takes a lot of courage to come on here, publicly talk about these things. Like we said, there's a stigma around them, but it's people like you that are like front runners for bringing awareness, bringing a space for women that are struggling through these things. And I, I'm very grateful. I'm, I'm so grateful to you for sharing your story, for coming on here and and just being willing to be open and transparent and honest with us and raise awareness around stuff that people don't want to talk about. Well, I really appreciate you having me. And I am so excited about this uh, project that you're doing. And I've told a lot of people about it. And I'm like, you know what? You need to talk to her because she's doing <laughs> something really great for for the world. Well, thank you. I, that means a lot to me. Um Especially when things, I feel like I come under attack. Like, I don't know if I, this is really what I should be doing. So that encouragement means a lot. You know, when people reach out and they send me messages and they say, this is, you know, I see what you're doing and I appreciate you. That, that means a lot. And so I just want to thank you, you know, from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Through the Trauma Podcast. If you have found value in this episode or believe in the mission behind what we are doing, please subscribe so that you never miss any future episodes. Also, be sure to check out our Transformation Project at transformationthroughtraumaproject.com where we help inspirational stories get heard on a larger scale through multiple platforms. If you know someone who can benefit from this episode, please share it with them. Until next time.